Absolutely wonderful to see each and every one of you. Might be a little chilly. If you have a Bible this morning, I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Exodus. No, Leviticus, sorry. Leviticus. The book of Leviticus. And there are 28 chapters. I'd like to turn to chapter 20. Chapter 20. Right, good to be here with you this morning. Leviticus chapter 20. Going to be reading from verse 26. Chapter 20, verse 26. And ye shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have severed you from my other people, that ye should be mine. Everybody said, praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. I don't know, it was probably a couple of weeks ago I forgot to give a title. That should have been Soul Anchor. And this morning I'd like to just work on severed, severed, severed. When you think of the word sever here in the Bible, it literally means separate, separate or separate. And that there are billions of people on this planet growing I've heard it said probably by around 20 20 thereabouts it used to be my vision 2020 <laughs> first it was 2015 then it slipped to 2020 I'm not sure where it slipped to now but uh, it challenged me challenges me every day I'll tell you that but uh, they claim it's going to be around 11 billion in the earth. Greater and greater population, more and more people. But I want you to think of the greatness and the riches of God's grace that He would pull you out of darkness, out of sin out of confusion and bring you into a marvelous light. What a great God we serve. And that, once again, think of it in terms of billions of people. And that God is going to have a church. He's going to have a congregation of people. Uh, Daniel's writings made it clear that many that are asleep, that they're going to awaken at that voice. They're going to awaken at that voice. That's going to call his faithful 
out of the grave. And of course, they're going to be to everlasting life as opposed to thousand years later, one comma later, and that comma equals a thousand years. It's uh, you got to watch that Bible. I'm tell you what, that uh, thousand years later, the rest are going to hear that voice also, and the command of it. You know the very thing that we need the most seems to be the very thing that we resist stubbornly, that we fight against or run from and duck and hide, excuse out of, and that is authority, that voice of authority. I uh, was told one time about a father who had a signal within his family, popping the finger, and uh, saved his son's life one day because that little boy was running. Thought he was cute and funny, and he was laughing and just, you know, just little guy. And, but he was taken off right into the path of oncoming cars who were totally oblivious of anything coming from the side. They were concentrating ahead of them on the road, moving at a pretty good clip of speed. And uh, this little guy's just taken off. He doesn't have a clue. He don't have a clue. He's just playful. And you know, at a certain age, that's kind of to be understood, isn't it? To be full of fun and laughter and shall we say even to be irresponsible, not yet educated to a lot of things in life. But as we get older, we kind of lose that excuse that we, we do get, hopefully, a greater understanding of what our responsibilities are we get a, should get a greater understanding or intelligence. I'd like to believe that we're all reasonably intelligent people here this morning. And uh, intelligence is the ability to foresee the consequences of your actions and your beliefs. And uh, to a little child like that, not a whole lot of intelligence going on that has matured yet. There's an innate intelligence. There's a built-in intelligence. There's a potential for intelligence, maybe even great intelligence. There was an account, some periodical or magazine or book, about... Albert Einstein and his family, Albert Einstein, of course, being a very famous Jewish scientist, and uh, he brought to us something most of us don't understand, me included, that E equals MC squared, and uh, maybe that's where MC Hammer took his name from, I don't know, 
but uh, uh, it was a very famous scientific discovery. It has to do with time and space and what have you. And, but as a young man, somewhere around 11, 12, in those days they had a, was more of a common thing for family. Now, first of all, family is getting to be a very rare thing in our day. But back in that day, in that time, when Albert was 11 years old, thereabouts, he, uh, his family, it was very common for them, mother, father, he himself, and maybe a brother and a sister sitting to afternoon meal. And uh, the first thing that was usually on the table was the soup. Now, there's some soup I like very much. And there's some soup I won't have anything to do with. And uh, my wife is not a soup person because she said growing up, everything went to soup. Whatever was left, soup got made out of that. She said, I've had enough soup for the rest of my life. She <laughs> so it's pretty rare for her to, to uh, do what the Bible said, taste and see. Of the soup, anyway. and uh, But uh, they were sitting down and, you know, doing the soup thing. And um, all of a sudden, there came a voice that had not been heard for 11 years. And Albert Einstein spoke up, and he said, Soup's cold. That's all he said. His mother looked up. Father looked up. Brother and sister looked. His mother said, Albert, she said, you, you spoke. He said, what? Eleven years. You've never said anything. Why? Why now? Have you spoken? Or why haven't you spoken till now? And he said, because nothing was out of order before. But the soup being cold registered in his mind that this is wrong, this is out of order. This isn't following the right pattern, and the order of things. You know, the Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, let all things be done decently and in order. And uh, when you get order put in your life, when you get proper sequential order in your life, then you're going to be quick, usually, to observe when something isn't in order. Of course, Albert Einstein went on to be a famous scientist, and he dealt a lot with the order of the universe. And I guess that started early in his brain in life for him. And as long as he was observing things and they were in order, he never found any need to talk. He was a deep thinker. He was a prodigy. 
and his teachers thought he was nuts. So think about that. Many people who went on to become famous in this life, in this world, they, uh, they were thought to be odd and different. Maybe even idiot was the word used and applied. And other harsh terms. Michael Faraday, very good book that we usually require our students to read. He was the father of electronics. He's the reason you got all these things going on, because of Michael Faraday and, uh, and all the cyberspace. I read where a kid was laughing and, and making mocking fun of his dad, because his dad was doing something, playing a game, I guess. And, uh, and he, was, he was making fun about his dad being involved with technology. My dad, wonders will never cease. See him doing that. And his dad said, son, he said, it's my generation that discovered and made it possible for you to have all that you have in the way of technology and games and cell phones and what have you. And uh, he went on to say, he said, as a matter of fact, he said, we were connected by the phone with a cord. He said, where you're connected with an umbilical cord. <laughs> In other words, you can't live without it, man. <laughs> you know, I guess that's the difference in generations. What can I say? But um, my point, not to get too far off here, my point is for you and I to spiritually be sensitive like Albert Einstein was in the natural. He wanted order in this world. You, you want order to come to your life in a spiritual sense. We have been born into this world by a very physical, natural process. And Jesus made it clear to a man who understood that process that he had to be born again. It was head-scratching time right about then for this very smart man, very learned man in this world. And uh, he couldn't get it. How, how do I get born again? What's the process? Enter the second time into my mother's womb? And uh, Jesus never even, he just ignored that stupidity. <laughs> what can I say? He just, he just let that one go by and, didn't dignify that comment with an answer. Let's put it that way. And uh, Jesus told him you had to be born again off water and of the Spirit. Or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so, making that clear up to that point, he went on to say that which is born of the flesh is flesh. In other words, that's a natural process. You put that over there. And he said, and that which is born of the Spirit 
is spirit. You put that in its place. We've got a religious world totally out of order. That they're not putting things in the right perspective and in the right order, in the right sequence. They're not doing that. And that's because they continue, and people, by and large, continue to look at things through a natural mindset when it's so important to get a spiritual seeing eye and a spiritual hearing ear, which are both of the Lord. And that if you get that, if God grants you good prayer to pray, open my understanding that I might understand the Scripture. That I might see Albert Einstein was trying to understand the mysteries of this life, this world in which we live, and this space around us. Jesus, in the days of his flesh, teaching, he said, I'll open my mouth in dark sayings, and I will give you understanding of things that have been kept secret since the foundation of the world, or before the foundation of the world. The Lord would like to open our understanding to what's important. This man comes to Jesus, acknowledges you're a teacher come from God, no man can do what you do, except the Spirit be with him, and no doubt was tipping his hat to you're greater than Solomon, and you, you bring things greater than all the other prophets added up together. Maybe he tapped into Isaiah, who said, I beheld the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. His victories, his accomplishments, his greatness filled the temple. And then he said, and I am a man of unclean lips. He became very aware. A certain Bible word is cognizant. Became aware. Duh, dawned on me. That's what it means. That uh, I'm just a mortal, mortal earthbound creature. And here I have an opportunity to be in the presence of God and to see a little something here that actually is leading to something a whole lot bigger, grander, and greater than at this moment I can comprehend. Jesus said, blessed are your eyes for they see and for your ears for what they hear and for your mind and heart what it's able to understand. He said, because many righteous men and, and women, many great men and women have desired, they had a desire to see what you see, to experience what you experience, have the opportunity that you have. And it wasn't for them. 
Bible said that they inquired, even diligently. It wasn't a passing fancy. It, it wasn't something superficial and top minter. Not at all. They, they were inquiring diligently. They were looking and seeking into this. They, they wanted to, to know about this. They were making search. And it did tell you in the Bible to search the Scriptures. Search them. Find out what they're talking about. Jesus said, they are they that testify of me. They can help bring you to a place where, in one sense of the word, your search could stop. You got people that came looking for Jesus one time. They were hurting. They were distraught. They were upset. There was women among them, as well as men. And they came. And God was kind enough to send an angel. The angel said, what are you looking for? He said, we're looking for Jesus. We need Jesus. Well, what about Jeremiah? No, won't do. What about one of the old prophets? Uh-uh. What about some of the celebrities of our time? What about Jay-Z? What about Beyonce? What about Myrie, Silas? What about some of them? Mm-mm. Not going to do any good. Okay. Uh, we're looking for Jesus. Another will not do. And the angel said, well, what are, you here? what are you here for? What are you looking for him here for? You're standing in the city of the dead. What are you looking for him there for? You're not going to find what you need in the places that you're going. You hear me? Now, you can get mad. You can sit there and squat down and get stubborn. But I'm here to tell you, it's my responsibility to tell you, young men, young women, and any other age, don't want to use that word old. How about the seniors among us? How's that? You're not going to find it where you're looking. He's not in the bars. I know. I don't go to my... He's not in the movie houses either. He's not in Hollywood productions. <gasps> Have you seen Noah? Yes! I read about him all the time. And I like God's version. I'm content with God's version. I don't need Hollywood. Because... I have an experience. I have an experience. I don't need Hollywood's experience. I've got a 
Holy Ghost experience. I've got a spiritual experience. This guy shows up. These people show up. And they're looking and they're searching. They got questions. They're making acknowledgments. We know. We've been talking. We know. Jesus went right to the heart of the matter. Except you're born again. We don't like the word except. We don't like the word must. We don't like that kind of authority. Our flesh does not like it at all. Not at all. I can always tell when my flesh is rising up. Because I'll be driving somewhere and I'm mad at everybody around me driving. They can't drive. They can't drive worth a lick. They either go too slow or, or they clogging up the lane or, you know, they're weaving around or they're doing something. And I know it and I have to tell myself, okay, this is not the right spirit. Calm down. Be nice. This is usually when my wife's not there. You might always say the hand is slipping across, tapping me. How you doing, honey? <laughs> Steam is coming out of the ears. Doing just fine, honey. No, you're not. Well, I, they, they, they just won't move. You can't push him, honey. I'm trying, though. I'm trying. I'm closing the gap. Those bumpers are getting closer. <laughs> I confess my faults unto you. And so I just have to crank up the gospel or put in the CD with some preaching or something. And I've just got to settle back, you know, and just go, okay, God. Let me, let me start getting something spiritual going here. Get away from this flesh. Yeah. You know, time is a very precious commodity. You can't bottle it. You can't bank it. You can't stop it. Now your watch can stop. Your clock on the wall can stop. Seems like everyone we've got in the building does about the same time. We gotta quit changing the batteries at the same time. Maybe they'll stagger a little bit. But even when the, my little clock or watch stops, time is still marching on. Time is still marching on. And uh, time is something we don't have excess of. So we want to give some conscious thought to making the most of our time. Because it's going to seem just like yesterday. You were that little toddler heading for that road and those cars. And thankfully, you caught that signal. Stopped. I saw a man just the other day. He had an older girl, daughter with him, and then a little one. And the little one, you know, she was being a little silly, like, you know, two or three-year-olds are. And I saw him reach over and grab that arm, shake her, and tell her. And he turned her loose, and she toddled over to the mother. 
and begin to walk with the mom as they were going along as a family. And I thought, yeah, pal. I said, you can do that now. I said, you can grab that child by the hand and arm and you can shake that child and you can speak to it. And that child, more than likely, going to cower down in obedience. Try that when they're 18. See how far you get. So that's why we're going to try to do what the book said. We're going to try to train up a child. I'm not going to let you just go any way you want to go, do anything you want to do. Because going anywhere you want to go and doing anything you want to do gets you killed. So while we can shake you, while we can have that kind of authority over you, we're going to do that, hopefully, as caring, loving parents. We're going to do that, or parents. We're going to do that. But as you get older, especially if you're so blessed to be among that number, that's shall we say, destined to be around that throne to come out of great tribulation and to be around that throne. You have that opportunity given that knowledge and with it comes responsibility that you can't just Sillily ignore. Lay it off on only two or three or four years old. Because time won't stop and you're not two and three and four anymore. You're getting older. Job talks in his book about time in the sense of being like a what was called a weaver's shuttle, because in those days I had a machine that that uh, would weave things. Not your hair, ladies, but your your rug. Okay, and uh, and um, I guess it moved pretty quick because he talked about it being quicker or faster than the weaver's shuttle. And we have things in our life that are way faster than that, and time is going by quickly, quickly, quickly. And before you know it, your child isn't four and five anymore. You know, pretty soon they're 14 and 15. And then, as I had a woman come to me the other day and she said, I want you to pray for me. She said, I'm having trouble with my son. Now, mentally, you get a picture, you know, Artie, right? Somebody, Alex, Henry, Brian. You know, somebody in there, less than 21. I said, okay, I'll pray for you and your situation. And something just struck me. So I said, you know, some people you can't always tell their age. And uh, I, I said, how old's your son? 34. And I, I had my hands and I went, oh, wait a minute here now. 
I said, we're not talking about a son now. We're talking about a man. She said, yeah. And I said, okay, I'm going to pray that you quit being an enabler then. And quit, quit making it so easy for this man to, get, to, keep, to be able to get away with all the stuff he's getting away with because you keep making it possible. Now that I can pray with an understanding. You ever read that in your Bible? And so I did. And she was bobbing her head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, I get it. You know. So, as we spiritually be so blessed, our billions of people to be snatched like a, a burning hot brand out of a fire. God snatches us out and pulls us out of a horrible pit. And we are given the order of things. Repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, saves you, gives you the born-again experience. And then you do what the Bible said, you begin to grow in grace and knowledge. You know, in most cases, I won't say there aren't any exceptions, but in most cases, by and large, I want to say definitely the majority of cases. You don't have to stand over a baby and say, Grow! Grow! <laughs> you don't have to do that. That baby's growing. That baby's growing. We laughed. Michael had a full set of teeth before he was one. Nobody had to tell his teeth to grow. Except the Lord. The Lord pre-programmed all that. He took care of that. And, and others have just, you know, we're watching the little ones come up. And some of them aren't so little anymore. And you can tell by how they talk back at you. I know that's funny, but then again, it's not so funny. Not so funny. That we would preferably like them to learn not to talk back. We're losing something, church family, among many things, we're losing, we're losing respect in our generation at an alarming rate among our young people. Things that you and I would really never have done as young people. Under 21. We, we, we wouldn't have just so blithely, so nonchalantly talked back to an adult. We wouldn't have done that. We, even not being in the church, we would have had better manners we would have had more respect. But it's not so in this day and age in which we're living. Because iniquity is abounding. Lawlessness is abounding. Things that were once considered bad form, bad taste, you don't do that. 
You don't act that way. You don't talk that way. If it was done, it was done very much behind the scenes. You know, or maybe what you'd call mumbling under the breath. Yeah. But not so now. Sad to say, not so now. Now, I'm afraid it's very common to be a smart aleck, to talk back, to be extremely stubborn, rebellious, proud. Things that your Bible told you would be characteristics of the end time. That people would be lovers of themselves more than they would be lovers of God. That they would be traitors. They would care more about themselves than the other person. That they would be heady. They would be high-minded. And many other such like things. Characteristics of our generation. Characteristics of our time. That there would be a tremendous letting down and a loosening well, contributors to that, contributors to that, television, movies, social media, displays, all of them, of rebellion, extreme bad language, extreme violence, glorified acts of violence. All kinds of sinful, negative, harmful, hateful, vile things that are just put out there in what's been called living color or technicolor. God knows what phrases they use anymore. I do read, but I really try to keep up with too much of it. But you do come across some things. And uh, then we wonder why we have Fort Hoods, Sandy Hooks, Los Angeles. We wonder why we have these extreme, terrible, I guess I could have said, I don't know, was it Colorado? Aurora, Colorado or Columbine, Colorado. We wonder why. Why we have these things. The world wonders why. And they'll, they'll call out an army of psychologists and they'll spin it and they'll deal with it in a way that it's a saturation of words to where everybody gets really kind of sick of it and ho-hum with it and move on and until the next thing arrests everybody's attention. And then they'll get all their feathers all flapping and stirring for a little while. But I'm trying to tell you that God said very plainly. He introduced a church, a congregation. It literally means the word church literally means, it comes from a word that means called out, called out, called out of darkness, called out of sin, 
called out of filth, called out of natural. Jesus said, made reference to this very wise man, that which is of the flesh is flesh, but that which is of the spirit is spirit. So you've got a fleshly birth, a natural birth, that's how you got here. He said, that got you to planet Earth. He said, but you've got to be born again of water and of the Spirit, or you cannot see or enter into the kingdom of God. So it's going to take a spiritual experience to get you to that spiritual place called heaven for all of eternity. So that you'll be able to hear my voice in that day calling you forth out of the grave to everlasting life. Because you don't want to be on the other side of that comma. That little comma. That puts you into a thousand years later when you'll hear my voice. But this time you'll be brought forth unto everlasting shame. And contempt, bonds, darkness. Oh, friend. God said, but look, I'm going to have a people. I'm going to have a people. I love to take some of our young people, sometimes 35 and 40 of them, to a restaurant. And I just love to tell the server or servers or the manager, when I make the arrangements, I'll say, you take care of them. I said, because they're my people. And they will. They will. It's like I tell them, treat them right, and I'll treat you right at the bottom line. Treat them wrong, you might get a quarter. Maybe. You know, that's a signal to a server. If you give them a quarter, that, that's a message. That they did not, tips stands for to ensure professional service. And so a quarter signifies that they didn't give you professional service. Okay? I, I don't like to leave a quarter. I think I've done that once in my life. And leave no, no tip. I don't know that I've ever done that. I have left without paying my bill. <laughs> Came running back in and said, oh, I'm so sorry, you know. <laughs> They'd go, it's okay, senior pastor. We know who you are. We, knew, we know where you live. <laughs> oh, brother, you can get preoccupied in the mind, you know. But the Lord said, I'm going to have a people. I'm going to have a people. And they're going to be mine. They're going to be my sons and my daughters. And he said, I'm going to sever them. I'm going to separate them. I'm going to make a difference about them. They don't go where you go. They don't do what you do. They don't believe the things you believe in. They don't participate and act the way that you participate and act in things. I've made a difference between them. I've severed them. From among you. Have you never read. Come ye out from among them. And be ye separate. Saith the Lord. Now you can fight that. 
You can be rebellious against that. You can talk back about that. You can grumble and murmur and mutter and complain. But when the flies come, I've seen picture of flies go up a lion's nostrils. The mighty lion. And him just sitting there with his paws. Next thing you know, they're going up. There was a drought in the land. There was no water. And the flies honed in on the nostrils and the moisture that was there from the lion. I've seen pictures in books of flies that could come and cover something from head to toe. Oh yeah. And that day came when God said, Moses, raise your rod. Show authority in this situation. And friend, the flies, the sound started coming. A buzzing. And the next thing you know, all of Egypt, all but one portion. How strange is that? All but one portion of the mighty country and land of Egypt, the land of the pharaohs, the land of the Sphinxes, the land of the Nile River is covered with flies and the buzzing sound of them. Except for one small portion. Because God said, I'm going to sever My people from the flies. He said there's not one fly coming into the land of my sons and my daughters. And you're mighty glad when that voice of authority ends by saying, Thus saith the Lord. You're like, bring it on God, bring it on. Thank you for a beautiful day. Thank you for a fly, a no-fly zone. <laughs> That's a different definition for it, isn't it? Thank you for a no-fly zone. One of them big, fat, juicy flies is heading your way, and all of a sudden he hears from air traffic control, you don't come in that airspace, buddy. And he makes a U-turn and heads the other way. Oh, yeah, because God said, I'm going to sever. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a divide here. These are my people. They're holy people. They're godly people. Amen. Amen. And God said, You shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy. And seeing from the Scriptures, knowing the terror of the Lord, realizing that there's a judgment impending. It's imminent. It means it's just about here. 
you know, you can see the signals and the signs of it in this building. And the Lord has given us word. He said the heavens are going to roll together like a scroll. He said in a, the stars, the planets, are going to be shaken like you would take a tree in an untimely season and shake it and the, the fruit would begin to drop off of it. And he said to the point that the islands are going to be moved out of their place. Whole land masses are going to suddenly not be anchored any longer. They won't be at that latitude and longitude any longer. All the maps are going to suddenly be wrong. It's going to throw the pilots off, the planes off, the ships off. Because the great day of his wrath has come. And who shall be able to stand? Yes, who indeed? Who indeed? You're not going to want to be in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. Say, well, no, of course I won't be right about that time. Yeah, well, you see, the funny thing is that time has a way of passing by like the sands in the old time hourglass. And it suddenly was so full and now suddenly it's not so full because you can't stop time. But there's an angel, believe it or not, that's going to have power over it. God's going to give an angel power over time. And God's going to let that angel stand with one foot on the land and one foot on the sea and declare that time shall be no more. Funny thing is, nobody knows when their time is up. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So you know, you can't just think at the last second you're going to all of a sudden, run. You ever hear these people talk about their, their uh, come to Jesus deathbed prayer? What a joke. You know, what a joke. There is a name for it that's accurate, though. It's called procrastination, meaning you put it off. And you can put off and put off and put off until guess what? You put it off. Opportunity is gone. Time is gone. And you find yourself amidst the flies. And they're all over you. And they're doing their damage. And because you're not where you're supposed to be. You're not with who you should be with. You're not doing what you should be doing. And that day of judgment is going to descend upon you. One place said, prepare to meet thy God. You know, coming to church, being a part of what the church is doing, 
is all part of preparing yourself. Preparing yourself to meet God. Because it is appointed unto us to die once. And then the judgment. But part of our preparation, part of the teaching to the church, to the called out ones, to those that have been separated, severed from among this sinful world. Part of our preparation is to take care of business ahead of time. Now, you know, one of the enjoyable things is to get to go to the DMV. Now, I didn't used to like that. I didn't like that at all. It was a slow process. It was always crowded, or it just seemed like it took forever to do anything. But see, then the Lord gave Pete a job at the DMV. So I have my own personal DMV guy now. So I don't mind going to DMV anymore. I love it. I see them all sitting there. They've all got their numbers. And I just walk in. I try to be as humble as I can. I try not to smile too big. Try not to strut. And I actually just kind of try to slip in there. And Invariably, I know, you know, two or three or ten or twenty people. And I'm saying hello, and they're saying hello. And it's always embarrassing when the different mothers and women jump up and want to hug my neck. They haven't seen me in so long, which means they haven't been in church. Shame on them. Giving away their, their position, aren't they, on that one. And uh, I love it when they tell me, it's been so long since I've seen you. And I go, oh, I'm at the same place. <laughs> yeah, you know the schedule. <laughs> I'm pretty much there all the time, yeah. So guess who's not? <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, um, I'll see Pete smiling over there. And, and of course, somebody will call him Pat, and I'm going, where's Patrick? Where, where's Patrick? And then I'll go, oh, oh, you mean Pete? I said, that, 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 that's not, to us, that's not Pat. Not at all. You see, Pat, he's a little bigger, a little wider. And he's got a better tan. Yeah. And, uh, no, that, that's Pete. That's Pete. That's Petey, Petey, Pete. That's our Pete. And so, I just step over there and either hand him a piece of paper or hand him some money with a piece of paper, and I'll say, I'll see you later, Pete. I'm out the door and in the car and moving on to the rest of the schedule. And Pete takes care of business. So now I really like going to the DMV. You know? They really liked being in the land of Goshen. Yeah, but y'all are different over there. Yeah, you're right. And one of the best differences is we don't have any flies. How y'all doing out there with those flies? While they're coming out of your mouth and out of your nostrils and your ears and all in your hair and you know, covering your whole body. How you doing? How's it? How you doing with your chariot and the windshield? You know, splat, 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 splat. Windshield wiper working? Run out of fluid? How's it going? Not too well. Not too well to the point that Pharaoh said, "Okay, Moses. Okay, okay, okay." Only problem is that again is us, isn't it? When we get in the flesh. That we, we get the message temporarily. And that the Lord, that doesn't say 12 o'clock, I hope. My God, help me. 
I wish the battery wasn't working in that truck car. <laughs> I mean, in that clock right now, but I think it is. <laughs> um, I should have known when y'all came in, right? But anyway, I missed that signal. But anyway, the uh, you know, like Pharaoh, we get to the place where we we finally say, as one woman told me one time, she said she was trying to get something worked out in her life, and she said, I finally got down to business. She said, I, I started praying and fasting, and I got the answer. And so, you know, we get we get the, the message and we we get down to business. We start coming to church more faithfully. We start reading our Bible again and we start praying and and things straighten out, things smooth out, and suddenly the rod goes back up, the authority comes up in our lives, and the flies are gone. And mostly it's because we're no longer in Flyville. We've gone back to Goshen or the church where we belong. We're in the right environment. We're around the right people. We're hearing and seeing and experiencing the right things. Everybody said praise the Lord. God said I want to sever you. I want to separate you. You can come. I want to I want to separate you. I remember when the Lord separated Sin Sitfeld and I. You know, because I've been here a little while, y'all think I've always been a preacher. I, I thought for a minute you disappeared. <laughs> I disappeared my pianist. <laughs> anyway, I, um, I remember when the Lord severed us from among the world. I know you don't, you think I always didn't have any hair, and, but I did have hair, and I have a picture or two left to prove it. Thank God we kept a few of them. And uh, I, uh, you know, I had, wasn't using the razor, and so, you know, had all that stuff going on. I was being a man. I show him I got a beard. What can I say? We go through these immature stages. It's like the kid that was walking, the grown teenage kid that was walking with his mother and he suddenly said to his mother, he said, you remember you were talking about those, going through those phases? And she said, yeah. And he said, well, I kind of like this one. He said, can we just stay in this phase for a little while? But the thing is, that's not such a good thing because then you become a 40-year-old kid. And I'll be praying for your, your mother and your family to help you to grow up and do what the book said, to grow in grace and knowledge and get some responsibility about you. As I told one young man, he, he, wouldn't, um, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't show up for work. Now, we don't know anybody like that, do we? And, uh, but he wouldn't show up for work. I can't believe he's not sitting here right now. He must be downstairs. Nuts. Could have got him a message. Anyway, uh, he wouldn't show up to work. And I told him, I said, um, I said, you know, one of these days, I said, you're going you're gonna to grow up. I said, you're going to realize that what the church is providing for you, uh, you're going to have to step out from under that and you're going to have to 
provide for yourself. You're going to have to provide for that roof over your head and for the food on the table and for the electric and the water. You're going to have to do that. And uh, I said, and you're going to get married. As long as your name's not Marvin. You're going to, you're going to get married. <laughs> I know you all feel so sorry for Marvin. That's how I keep him humble. Don't worry about it. You know, when you're that good looking and you're that rich, you've got to be kept humble. And so I got to, I got to, you, things puffy you up, God sends me along to puffy you down. <laughs> and so, uh, I said, one day you're going to get married. And I said, that woman's going to want a roof over her head. I said, she's, she's going to want food on the table for herself and those children. Because you're going to have children too. I said, you're going to have to go to work. Yeah. Responsibility. You're going to have to. That's why I try to tell these young ladies. Don't give them any privileges until he marries you and becomes a husband and a provider. And if, he, and if you don't get the husband, it's because you gave the privilege before you got him to the altar and you said, I do. So it's your fault. Silly thing. Now God wants to sever us. He wants to make a difference. Now if you've done it wrong, that's okay. That's why you're here. We're here to help you get it right. Okay? We're here to help you get it right. And, uh, I remember when the Lord took us. As I said, I wasn't always a preacher. Far from it. Didn't know anything about the Bible. Never had read the Bible. Nothing. 20 years old. And, uh, but I got witness to. And I began to read the Bible then. Matter of fact, I'd go home at night at the end of working all day. And I'd get with my wife who is now Senior Sittafeld, who wasn't Senior Sittafeld then. And uh, we'd, we'd read the Bible together. Boy, was that a different thing. That was a big different thing. And the Lord blessed us because the television broke. Thank you, Jesus. And we put it in the shop so there was no distraction in the house. So we read the Bible. God timed it. And we just kept reading and we just kept getting convicted about, you know, guilty conscience about how we'd been living and doing. And uh, then I got invited to church by the same guy that witnessed to me. So I went to church. And I asked her if she wanted to go and she said, okay, better than staying home by herself. So we went to church together. That sure was different. There hadn't been no church going on in our marriage. So we... We went to church. And, you know, we were figuring, you know, from kids, you know, you know, you go and you sit there, kind of like y'all. So, that's what we were thinking. The only problem was, we had never been to the church. Because at the church, they have church. <laughs> and friend, when we stepped in there, whoo, I said, man, 
where's the peanuts and the popcorn? I feel like I'm in the center field bleachers of Yankee Stadium. These people are hollering and screaming and clapping and jumping up and saying amen and glory to God and hallelujah. I'm like, wow. So when we left church that night and we're going across the parking lot, I, um, I said, well, what did you think? Kind of looked at me. She said, well, it sure was different. And I said, yeah. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, they got something I don't have and I want it. And my wife was going, in her mind, she was going, oh boy, here we go again, another fad. You know, you're going to be a vegetarian or you're going to be this or you're going to be that. You're gonna, you know, whatever fad was going around, right? And, uh, but it wasn't a fad. It was a calling. And the Lord called us out of darkness. He severed us, separated us from family, from former friends, from former hangouts, from former doings, to where that song, the things I used to do, I won't do them anymore. I didn't do them because they would twist my arm. No, I didn't do them anymore because I didn't want to do them anymore. Because I'd had a heart change. I had a heart change. I didn't want to be like that anymore. I didn't want to talk like that anymore. I didn't want to act like that anymore. I didn't want to partake in those things anymore. And my wife didn't want to wear uh, skirts that got confused with being a belt anymore. And one of the ladies made her a dress. And I think she wore the same dress for six months. Thank God it was one of them you could just throw in the washing machine and wash it and let it dry and you could wear it. Because that's the only thing she had. And then we put our nickels and dimes together and we discovered Goodwill! Only it was called red, white, and blue down there in Miami at that time. <laughs> and um, oh yeah, we shopped there. You could get shoes for a quarter. That's how come I'm so good at those yard sales. See? Oh yeah. People come up to me, get they get a whole box full. Give me a dollar. Such a deal. Let me tell you. But God said, I'm gonna make a difference. Did it cost me family? Oh yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Mm -hmm. It did. Because I witnessed to them. My wife witnessed to them. They didn't want it. They wanted the flies. They wanted the all the judgments. They wanted to live the same old life. Dwell in the same old darkness. Argue religion. I preached on the radio this morning. Does anybody know that? Almost caught you. And uh, I asked the question, when, when does it mean what it says to you? You know, when does it mean just what it says to you? People read it, and it, it evidently doesn't mean what it says because they're not doing it. And I'm saying, 
that you get to a place by the grace of God where it starts meaning to you just what it says. And you apply it to yourself. And you begin to act on it. It's called believing. You know. And it says repent, so you repent. That doesn't mean you just tell God you're sorry. You tell Him that. But it also means that you change your style of living. You're a thug, don't thug anymore. You're a hoe, don't hoe anymore. Unless it's the kind that's getting the weeds out of the garden. Okay. Him that stole, steal no more, the book says. You have a change of heart. A change of thought process. You start thinking spiritually. God opens your understanding. You start seeing things from a spiritual perspective and you can look at it and say, soup's cold. Not in order. Not right. See, when our young people talk back, soup's cold. That could be a good code way of getting it across to you. You're out of order. You're out of order. You know, we don't have to do things that everybody does out there to prove we're all grown up. We're maturing. We're in this phase. Why don't you just bypass that nonsense? Why don't you just go ahead and show a little real maturity? Paul said, when I became a man, he said, I put away childish things. I just discarded that. Frankly, I don't see these young men going around with a pacifier, though I have seen that phase. Come on. You saw that phase when they were in the crib, or when you went... When crib meant something else, too. When you went down to Winn-Dixie, and maybe they're walking around. Y'all remember that, right? Maybe they'll get past the phase of the drop draw. And I won't have to look at Ralph Lauren underwear anymore. Or Fruit of the Loom, or whatever. You know. Maybe we'll outgrow some of these childish, immature... Things that Hollywood and prisons bring to us. See, the church wants you to think spiritually. The church wants to develop a spirituality about you that you can begin to see the things of God, that you can come out from among them and be separate, be severed. Let God make the difference. In your life. Some people the difference is a gun. For me the difference is the Holy Ghost. That's the difference I want. My God can do anything. My God is the greatest weapon. Amen. 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 Let's stand together. I love you very much. Each and every one of you. And you're struggling. I'm struggling with you. You're hurting, I'm hurting with you. You're searching, I'm searching with you. You're confused, I'll share in your confusion. Probably could tell you that 
I've been there and I've done that. Some of it I don't talk about because I'm ashamed of it. And Paul did say that, that we some things we don't speak of. It's a shame to speak of those things. You should not wholesale talk about your former life pre-Holy Ghost. You shouldn't. And you know what? I don't want to be found on a street corner or at a bar or someplace with a bunch of sinner people, Egyptians, shall we say, and the, the peer pressure becomes to where I want to be like them. Oh, no. If I'm, if I'm there, I want to be there witnessing to them. And when I'm done witnessing, I'm out of there. I want to be strong enough to bring to them what they need. I don't want them bringing me their junk. I don't need their junk. Everybody said amen. amen. Let's give God a big hand, shall we? Come on. Mm-hmm.